Hope for Humanity. That's what you're going to hear about today on Search for Truth. Many thanks for joining us, and today we're the second in a series of programmes about God's good news message to the world, Hope for Humanity. Brian's looking into the Bible to bring us scriptures and illustrations which explain this tremendous message that God proclaims to every one of us. I hope you're enjoying the programmes as you follow them week by week, and if you have any questions or comments for Brian as we go along, he'll be very pleased to help you. Our talk today is called Symptoms of Something Deeply Wrong, and here's Brian to explain. Thanks, John. Just think of a few things that have been happening recently around in the world. Civil unrest as a reaction against a law enforcement that's considered to be corrupt or racist. Brutal executions of people who are of different religious persuasions. Civil airline passengers being caught up as victims of warring factions on the ground. Threats and negotiations about the existence of weapons capable of mass destruction. Once respected entertainers and politicians whose reputations are now shredded and mired in infamy, and so on and so on. The most understated conclusion that we can draw from all this is something's wrong. There's overwhelming factual evidence that the human condition is corrupt. And this is not only something that affects everyone else. Here's a biblically recorded statement of what the Apostle Paul once said, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. If we're honest, we know that we can fully identify with that. The evil Paul described there are the symptoms of what the Bible labels as sin. Let's examine a few general symptoms of this universal disease which the Bible calls sin. The first I'd like to draw your attention to is the symptom of moral weakness. Here's what we find written in the Bible at Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. To take one example, a man known as Mel Trotter once sold his family's only means of transport, which was a horse and buggy, so that he might support his drink habit. After one ten-day drinking session, he returned home to find his wife with her two-year-old son dead in her arms. Desperate and penniless, he promised his wife he'd never drink again. But within hours, he returned home drunk yet again. And one version of this testimony adds the detail that he'd even removed and sold the shoes taken from his infant son's corpse to buy that drink. He professed that he wanted to do good, but he was morally weak when trying to turn those good intentions into reality. Another general symptom of sin, which the Bible describes, is ungodliness. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners. The actual Bible word used there for ungodly suggests a lack of respect or a lack of reverence. This can be expressed as a lack of respect or reverence for either the creator or for the creature. Lack of respect for the creature will follow from a lack of respect or a lack of reverence for the creator. 
It often comes down to failing to respect the sanctity of our bodies, which can lead to all kinds of sexual perversions. Or it can be a lack of respect for the sanctity of truth, resulting in all manner of lies. There again, it can be a lack of respect for the sanctity of life itself, which brings violent crime and bloodshed in its wake. The very sorts of things we began by listing as typical of the human condition on a world scale today. Then what about a third symptom, which is hostility? At first, that might seem like a strong word, as many people of no particular faith might say they're not so much hostile to the notion of God, but simply indifferent. But doesn't hostility start out as indifference? The Bible in Romans chapter 1 and verse 28 says, They did not see fit to acknowledge God. And this in turn, two verses later, led them to be described as hateful to God, as shown by their actions. In any case, we shouldn't underrate indifference as a problem. It certainly depends on what the topic under discussion is. Suppose someone says, I'm not interested in music. Well, that's their personal choice. There are no ethical or moral implications there. We might feel it's a shame. It's a shame they're missing out on something worthwhile. But so be it. Now, suppose someone says, I'm not interested in my husband, or I'm not interested in my wife. That's quite a different matter, wouldn't you agree? If we were to hear that sentiment, we'd have to conclude that something tragic has happened in their relationship. Such an indifference is wrong. Next, we can take it a stage further. Suppose someone says, I'm not interested in God. The Bible-based reaction to that has got to be to declare that that is the ultimate tragedy. If that should happen to be your position right now, that you're simply not interested in God, then a plain reading of the Bible would show that he's interested in you. When one listener to Search for Truth Radio discovered that, while on death row in an African country, he wrote back to us and said that previously he thought nobody cared about him. But having heard of how God gave his one and only son, he said that he now realised somebody cared, and he is the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's exactly what he wrote in his moving testimony. Remember, we are tracking down major symptoms of our fallen, sinful human condition, as revealed by God's Word, the Bible. Here's yet another. It's our fourth. It's the desire to be independent, independent of God, that is. The Bible reveals to us that this desire erupted early on with our first parents, they were tempted to eat forbidden fruit as follows. For it says in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Eve and Adam imagined they could be masters of their fate by accessing something God had denied them. Whenever we try to act as if we are God and do what we want, it's an act of rebellion or defiance against God. Finally, one last general symptom of the sinful condition is lawlessness. 
The Bible says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. That's 1 John 3 verse 4. It's easy enough to understand this. Even in the practical tasks of life, we learn that the same thing is true. For example, if we ignore electrical installation instructions, we may well get electrocuted, or it can certainly prove costly. A plumber I once employed wired up our central heating pump all wrong and it cost me three days time and labour to rectify it. So we tend to explain sin as being this wrong action or some other bad behaviour but the reality is these things are symptoms of a deeper problem. Take the case of jaundice as an illustration. Having a yellowish tinge to the whites of our eyes or our skin is a sign that we're suffering from jaundice. Jaundice is often a symptom of a liver problem. To try to treat a liver problem with an application of cosmetic makeup to cover over the skin coloration symptom is like trying to treat sin with a dose of religion. Any religion can only treat the symptoms of sin. So what's the answer? Is there one? There is indeed. And it can be found in the same verse we looked at when we spoke of sin's first symptom, Romans 5 and verse 6, which says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. The solution, God's solution, applies at the point of us being still weak. This is a realistic remedy that's being described. It's not one which requires us to have successfully overcome our own problems first. It's not a self-help cure that God's encouraging us to take. The patient always needs the medicine when they're still ill. It's of no use once they've already recovered. In the same way, God's remedy for the disease of sin applies while we're still trapped in our moral weakness, in our irreverence, in our indifferent hostility, in our defiant spirit and attitude of independence and in our refusal to follow instruction. He doesn't wait for us to change before saving us. The famous hymn correctly says, Just as I am, O Lamb of God, I come. But we do need to be prepared to be changed by the work of God's Holy Spirit. That's where the only power which can transform our sinful human condition comes from. So, when the Bible calls on us, To repent of our sin, it means we are no longer to take pleasure in sin, as we once did, but now instead to hate it, since it was our sin which led Christ to die on the cross for us. There's nothing to pay for. Nothing to pay for real, lasting satisfaction. It's said through the Bible prophet Isaiah, to be without money and to be without cost. In Christ alone, the power of sin is broken. And in Christ alone, no one will ever be disappointed. But we will be born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that verse about believing in the Saviour who rose from the dead is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3.
Men and women search in many ways to address their needs, but it's in Christ alone that the deepest and greatest needs of the human soul can be fully satisfied. Now, if you'd like to request a transcript booklet containing all the talks in this series, please let us know and ask for the title, Hope for Humanity. If you've got a pen and paper to hand, I'll give you our new contact details, so please make a note. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into ebooks and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle hyphen ebooks. Uh, all you need to do is type Search for Truth series into the search box and they will appear. Also, look out for Search for Truth featuring on www.twr360.org and this will give you yet another excellent way of accessing again what you first heard on the radio. So it's been great to have your company today and I do hope you can join us next week for another message of hope for humanity. Until then, very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian Studio technician David, our singers, and me, John. It's goodbye, and may God richly bless you. <laughs>